The aim of Black Mental Matters is to tell experiences with honesty. Therefore, some discussions may trigger an adverse reaction. If a discussion is beginning to upset you, we advise that you please stop listening and talk to your support team. Hello once again, it's Black Mental Matters, Vince the Voice here, the podcast designed to eradicate. We want to get rid of that stigma as it relates to mental health in our black community. And you know, in our black community, faith leaders, our preachers, our pastors, they often play an important role in healing. Now, as mental health has became this huge growing concern, especially in the black community, we're here today to get our religious leaders recognize their place, not just spiritual counselors, but also as critical resources for their congregants' emotional and psychological needs. We got to address that mental health, and we can do it right within the church. So, hey, McKeeva and I are going to chop it up. Thank you for listening. Here we go. It's Black Mental Matters. Black Mental Matters with Vince the Voice and Makiba Reed Johnson. And Makiba Reed Johnson is in the house. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, remember that one? (laughs) She's in the house. Hey, Makiba, how are you? Hey, Vince, the voice, Bailey. I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing good. You know, uh, since last show, I have been fully evacuated. And uh, yeah, girl, I had the shots. I put them in both arms at the same time. Just <laughs> and uh, fully, fully evacuated. Because, you know, we, we talked about COVID and coming out of this thing. And I think uh, right on time that we want to get back out here and get together again. It's, it's, it's messing with our mental health. It <laughs> absolutely <know>. is. <laughs> Yeah, the social isolation and everything that people have been going through. It's it's been over a year, so definitely. At some point, there'll be that uh, true measurement. Uh, right now, everyone's just kind of, you know, mentioning it just like us. We we really don't know what the real effect is going to be when it's all said and done. I, I'm glad I know you evacuated too, so yes. uh, I feel safe <laughs> talking to you right now. <laughs> right. Don't sneeze. I'm going to mute you. <laughs> I'm going to mute you. Oh, my goodness. Um. Well, I also want to talk, you know, we don't do a lot of uh, like current events, but you had mentioned in a conversation that we had, and I saw something uh, regarding the rapper DMX, because I, I thought he was such a great rapper, you know, and his passing and, you know, rest in peace uh, DMX, but addiction, yeah. uh, you know, that's another thing uh, in our... Absolutely you know, and our mental health wheel and mm-hmm. uh, just the tragedy of him being tricked into smoking crack at the age of 14 and it just yeah. stayed with him. And whew. Right. And, yeah. And then that was during the, the Reagan administration, you know, when we had that crack epidemic in black neighborhoods and, yes. and it wasn't it wasn't being addressed. Yes. So, yeah, the, the, there's a lot of layers to what happened eventually unfortunately to dmx absolutely i mean that's a conversation that's a big conversation you know don't even talk about reagan and what they did because they did (laughs) they flooded our communities with crack cocaine watch snowfall and you'll hear that's a heck of a series that really uh dramatizes it and you know shows you what happened but no, no, but well, watch it. I just want to. I just want to say on just on just one note that you know, since we're talking about DMX, because I was listening to his music this morning when I was working out, mm. is that is that I want us to you know to make sure that when we think about him and we 
remember him and, and celebrate him to know that he, he was more than just his addiction and that his addiction was something that was personal and it was private and we just happened to know about it. But there are a lot of people that are battling this and that are struggling with this. Yes. And when you think about a person passing away at the end of their life and you know that at the time when they passed that they were battling addiction, I think it's important to also know that that person had an identity outside of that addiction and that did not completely define who they were, that, that is, they were a, a complete, beautiful, whole, loving, vibrant person outside of that. And so creative and award winning. Yes. And I mean, he is an amazing poet. If you yes. there's some videos out there of him, you know, being interviewed. And I mean, this brother. So, yes, yes, <laughs> much more. So I th- thank you for even bringing him to light, you know, in our past uh, conversation about it, because, um, yeah, he, he definitely is someone that we can learn a lot from. Uh, from studying, you know, what what happened with DMX. And as you say, you know, that that wasn't all he was, but we're fighting uh, those same type of demons each and every day. And and again, this COVID stuff doesn't make it any easier, brings it even more into focus. And so, hence, we are here today, uh, Makiba, and uh, we want to talk about today religious barriers to mental Mm -hmm. health. There are those who probably in that instance of DMX and say, man, you know, probably if he had just prayed a little bit more, went to church yeah. or something like that, that he wouldn't right. have had those problems. And, uh, uh, you know, the stigma is real and it can be even more magnified within the, the faith community because, mm-hmm. of course, uh, God is everything. And if you got a problem, then you just need to go to God. And that's the answer. And as right. we know, that is not the complete equation. And that's not the answer. Absolutely. And and when, when we're talking about spirituality or, or specifically Christianity, you know, I, I think it's important for us to go back and remember how Christianity was introduced to black slaves. Hmm. And, and I, I think, and this is just my personal hypothesis, I believe that that is inherently why we have such a challenge in receiving the help that we need because of the way that the scriptures were presented to us. We were introduced to Christianity by white Americans. You know, when segregation was the law of the land, black churches served as important spaces for racial solidarity you know and 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 even today many adults say that they rely on prayer to make major decisions and view opposing racism as essential to their religious faith you know but but what what we kind of forget about was christianity was Mm pro-slavery and slaves were encouraged to attend segregated churches led by white pro-slavery preachers so these preachers or these pastors preached heavily from um, I think uh, a couple of books that I can think about are Ephesians and Colossians for slaves to, quote unquote, obey their earthly masters. Hmm. So the, the fact that the Bible was first introduced to us to say, hey, look, the slavery was in the Bible. They're talking about you. This has happened before. This is nothing special. You know, this is just the way that the world is. You are just supposed to just pray. And this is what God is here in your life for. And everything with us was packaged around this idea of us being the slave and needing to be free 
after we're not here anymore, just get through this life and then you have a, a better life awaiting for you in the promised land, but it's not here. It's mm. out there somewhere. So so I think that's why we have a hard time reaching out beyond the church because we're kind of taught to believe, you know, historically from Christianity, the way we were introduced to it was, this is your life experience here on earth, and you just need to endure it and pray and read your Bible and suffer through it, just like Jesus did on the cross. He suffered, you're suffering, and after you die, then you will get to enjoy this life that God promised you, but it's not going to be here. Mm. And uh, yeah, if, if you started it, yeah, you, see what you started there. No, you right on point. You right on point. You know, if you got a problem, go to prayer. If you got a yes. problem, go to God. And if you seek some yes. outside help, it's just because you're weak and not okay. trusting God. You know that uh, stigma. And because, of course, in our communities, the black faith leaders they're held in such high esteem, okay. their mm-hmm. efforts to raise awareness and encourage members to seek help can be like changing and uh, uh, they can reduce the stigma by offering uh, programs but sometimes they don't they're sitting sometimes they're giving misinformation to folks as it relates to what can really help them get through their mental health crises their mental health uh, situations absolutely and 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 when you're looking at mental health in the church and, and and congregation members going to their pastor and confiding in them about you know depression or suicidal ideation or whatever mental health challenge that they're having, the the idea is that they are substituting the church for the mental health professional. Yes. And so what needs to shift is the church needs to start having some education amongst itself with yes. the pastors so that pastors understand when you're congregation comes to you concerning a mental health crisis, you need to point them in the direction of resources that the church provides that where you have uh, collaborations and partnerships with community mental health professionals where they, where those people have somewhere to go because you are not qualified. I love y'all pastors. I do, but you all are not qualified to talk to or, or to have conversations with, concerning mental health and counseling, that that's not what the church is for. And it's it's a very dangerous thing and it's a slippery slope because you want you want people who are depressed and, and, and going through mental health problems, you want those people that are in the church to go to the pastor because that that might be the only person that they're even comfortable talking to. Right. That so so there might not be another, you know, outlet for them, but that pastor needs to be charged with the fact that, hey, you know, if you were in a car accident and you were badly injured, you're not going to call your pastor. Right. You're going to call 911. Right. And if you did call your pastor, your pastor would be like, what are you calling me for? You need to get to a hospital. It needs to be the same response when a person who is in church is having some type of mental health concern and they go to the pastor. The pastor needs to listen and then direct them to a professional. Already you have barriers such as uh, cost to get, uh, you know, mental health uh, treatment or transportation, child care. Uh, so, th- I mean, just to 
have a program within a congregation that addresses mental health. Listen to those pastors, Mm -hmm. listen to his church Mm -hmm. folks that, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that can be so beneficial to so many people uh, Mm -hmm. uh, in our in our black community. And I know that there are some. Uh, who are doing that. Uh, I know of some ministers who their background may have been in social work or even uh, uh, therapy, you know, being therapists and things like that. But for some reason, it is still not permeating through our black community that it is okay to seek professional help when you're having mental health uh, crises or mental health issues. Absolutely, because Vince, the the majority of African-Americans that are undergoing a mental health crisis, they're not going to seek treatment at all. So the small group that does go to the pastor, that's, that's a very small number. So, so, and, and, and that's why I'm glad that we're having this conversation, Vince, because I thought it was profound that African-Americans statistically, we are the most religious group in this country. And then at the same time, African-Americans are 20% more likely to experience mental health problems than the general population. So how can those, both of those things be true at the same time? I mean, this is an important question. If we are leaning on religion, why are we in a mental health crisis? And the answer is because of all the the conversations that, you know, we can go back to the stuff that we've talked about in, in previous podcasts. The, the reason is, is because mental health is separate from your spirituality. It's not the same thing. Mental health has the same level of importance as your physical health. And you're not going to your pastor if you feel like you're having a heart attack. You're going to your doctor. And guess what? You might pray on the way to the doctor, but yes. you're not in that moment confused with, okay, well, do I just need to sit here and pray? No, you know you need to go to the doctor. And that's why we need to start having some more scientific conversations about mental health because a lot of the conversations that and, and the dialogue that's had is very fluffy and all, you know, self-care and, you know, look up at the sky and meditate and breathe. So, so people aren't getting the seriousness of, What's happening at a neurological level in your brain when you are suffering from a mental health crisis? There are things that are going on inside of the fabric of your brain, the neurons, the neuroplasticity of your brain. There are all types of aspects of your brain and of your mind that there is research behind that is now telling us, hey, you can't just think positive thoughts and have some affirmations and address this. And when you're talking about a person that's coming to you with a mental health crisis, you have got to understand that person's life is in your hands Mm. when they are talking about they don't want to be here anymore. You know, they're, they're suffering, they're in distress. You have got to make sure that that person is connected with the right resource. I tell you, when we hear about some of these oh mass shootings, suicide, you know, these devastating uh, acts that have been taking place, a lot of times you'll find this manifesto, they call it, you know, that these people have written that reference faith and religion. And I, sometimes I ask myself, uh, uh, you know, what Bible are you reading that uh, caused you to shoot up a church or um, it is something and it tells you that there is definitely the need 
it's got to happen where mm -hmm. the faith, the spirituality, religion, and mental health services, they've got to come together because they're so intertwined. Yeah. They're Absolutely. so intertwined. And when you're talking about the manifestos that have been founded after a person has gone in, you know, and done mass shooting, it goes back to the fundamentals of how Christianity was packaged yeah. in the United States historically. When I was a kid, Vince, I thought King James was a spiritual figure. Mm. I had no idea until I was an adult that King James was essentially a politician. So just think about the fact that there was a virgin, a, a leader, white male, had his own version of mm. the Bible, mm. not a chapter in the Bible. He had a version mm. of the Bible. And when you think about that, that's no different than having a current politician today say, hey, I'm going to rewrite the Bible and repackage it and spread this word the mm. way I see it. And that's why there are so many, you know, references. I believe that it was in um, slave days, historically, some ministers promoted the idea that Africans were descendants of Ham, who's cursed in the book of Genesis, making their enslavement justified. So a lot of black people historically were told, hey, your people are supposed to suffer. And that's why you're going through what you're going through, so just hang on, wow. just, just, just hang in there. And that's what we've been trying to do, and we can't do it anymore. Mm, mm, mm. Kiba, you saying some things here today, the barriers. Now, I do want to say that there are some definite mental health benefits of yes. religion. It gives people something to believe in, some structure, mm -hmm. offers a group of people to connect with over similar beliefs, that whole sense of community, social connections with others, a sense of belonging to a group. All these things are good for your mindset, even ritual, you know, helping you cope yes. with a difficult uh, life situation, ceremonies, funerals and things for our loved ones, uh, allows time for rest for with holidays. Hey, we, we yes. you talk about all the time, we need you some rest. Well, hey, it's Christmas, girl. <laughs> I ain't doing nothing. It's Easter. Uh, it's, uh, well, you know, a holiday. Uh, uh, uh. And then the teachings, you know, provides guidelines to live by. And that's what's so confusing to me as, you know, we talk about those tragic situations that take place. I mean, what guidelines are you following in there? And you just said you, you follow them guidelines that was taught by slave masters and yes. nutso folks that uh, just have not went away over the over the test of time. Right, right. And those people have descendants and those yes. people's descendants are here and there are neighbors and there are colleagues and there are you know, teachers. I mean, so we're we're still interacting with people that have been passed down this mindset of black people are less. They are here for a purpose that is to support someone else's lifestyle. And Vince, this is what I think is so interesting. And I would love to be able just to go back in time just to see how much of an impact it would make. Imagine if you as a black person had not been through slavery, you had no concept of slave suffering, oppression. It didn't apply to you. You've seen other races go through it, but it has not applied to you. Yeah. Imagine how different the Bible would look to you. Yes. If you if you were reading it from a position of a person with privilege. Yes. I mean you you would read it different and what what I want every black person that's listening to this podcast right now to think about is that it has not 
been taught that we as African-Americans were created by God to have whole, joyous, happy lives right now Mm. on this earth, Mm. not wait till you die. And see, that's what makes this so dangerous. This, you know, the promised land is out there. You have to transcend suffering and death. That's why people are just like, well, just let me just get out of here because this is rough and I can't take it. And okay, I'm I'm supposed to be suffering in life. Mm. Let me just go. Mm. So, so, so that's why we, we've got to take control of this conversation and start rewording it. You use the term earlier, uh, spirituality, because there may be those out there who don't identify uh, with a particular religious uh, connotation. But uh, sp- yeah. and you talk about this, uh, you know, well, for those of you, you know, spirituality, a sense of connection to something bigger than yourselves helps you look within and understand while figuring out the greater answer of how you fit in with the rest of the world. If there are some benefits uh, for those who practice spirituality or are spiritual people, it enhances your, your sense of self and empowerment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it helps you focus on your connection to what you believe in and your personal growth. And here's a big one that you accept any person, whether they're part of a religion or not. Absolutely. You know that, hey, they may be this, they may be that. That's fine. I'm still with them. One of the words you use yeah. a lot, mindfulness uh, mm-hmm. helps so much mm-hmm. as it relates to spirituality, encourages meditation and self-reflection, looking for meaningful life philosophy. You may want to uh, express yourselves in ways like art and poetry i mean and a unity with the surroundings you said you took that walk you hear the birds chirping and all those kinds of things that does help your mental well-being it's it's sometimes just as simple as that huh yes no you no you are absolutely right these are i mean you are giving great examples of how religion spirituality can enhance your well-being can enhance you as a whole person. And what you're not talking about, though, Vince, is that what it isn't supposed to be is this thing that you grab onto because you feel like you're drowning, because mm. that's not even where God wants you to even be. Yeah. So, so yes, we haven't looked at ourselves out of that lens of, hey, I was my ancestors were never supposed to be no slaves. You know, this was a horrible thing that happened, but we have to, to transcend this and that that is not who my people are. That's not who I am. This whole mentality of oppression being normalized because that's what we were taught. Oppression was normalized. Pain and suffering was normalized. I remember seeing pictures of Jesus on the cross and I it just it resonated with me the suffering because I was going through depression and anxiety and suicidal ideation and I would see his image of him suffering on the cross. Now think, okay, you know, I just I just got to get through the suffering. I got it. But no, he doesn't want me to go through the suffering. He wants me to have a good life here and now. And he does not want me to be going through the, the, the suffering is not supposed to be a part of my experience. And when you look at it outside of that, that's when your religious beliefs, your faith, your spirituality Yes, it is supposed to enhance you, not dig you up from the bowels of hell because you're not supposed to be down there. So if you're down there, you need to go get the mental health help first. Mm. And of course, you are doing your spiritual work in conjunction with your mental health health work. But the spirituality is not there to replace your mental health things that you need to be taking on 
and doing for yourself because if you don't do them for yourself, you're not going to get it. You said a whole lot, you know, we're supposed to and expected to be strong, resilient, but why we got to be so strong and resilient all the time? If there's any kind of weakness, then that goes against the whole paradigm of strength. Then we become yeah. overwhelmed, overworked, bunch of chronic stresses, but we normalize it and say, well, that's just the way it is, man. Man up, suck it up, do it up, whatever. Yes. And next thing you know, you're on the 11 o'clock news because you done went <laughs> off with the people at the candy store. <laughs> You don't know why and you don't know why. So, yeah, all these all these moving parts, all these things. But I I know that our churches, because we are such a a spiritual people, that our churches could help so much in this arena if they embraced mental health services. Uh, That's what we got to have. That's what we got to have happen. That's what we're going to be advocating everywhere that we go let's let's have some mental health uh, Sundays or something or Wednesdays or Tuesdays or Thursdays you know where maybe there are some therapists yeah. that are there at the facility in the church and, and can talk to people or, or you know th- those kinds of things we got to get creative with this stuff because hey they was real creative in breaking us down now we got to get creative in building ourselves back up absolutely Vince and and it's on us it's absolutely on it's us. it's on us we cannot expect or wait for anybody outside of our communities to provide this for us. And especially since we're having these conversations now, you know, we're, we're also seeing a large percentage percentage of young black people are put off by the church because they don't feel like the church is addressing their needs. So, yes. so this is a great time for churches to start really looking at, Hey, what does black America right now need because if you are a pastor of a congregation and you're still preaching pretty much the same thing that you're preaching two or three or four years ago the political climate's changed the social climate has changed we need to start now having conversations about addressing this trauma that we have and and especially when it comes to science vents they're they're now looking into whether or not trauma it can be coded in your DNA mm. and passed down mm. to your offspring, to the next generation. And a lot of scientists, especially people that are mental health professionals, you know, they are seeing that a lot of trauma is passed down, that there is a tightness and a collective hurt that we as a people have, you know, not just from our history and our ancestors, but man, turn on the news. I mean, oh. you're always seeing somebody it's, being I'm, murdered. Right now, and then you got to watch the trial. The trial is, and then you got to watch the person get off. Oh, then you got to watch uh, the, what this morning, early this morning, the, the lieutenant who was pepper sprayed and put your hands up and they threw him down on the ground. I mean, a lieutenant who's risking his life in the U.S. Army right. and right. and another shooting of a, a young black uh, 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 man, um, uh, uh, D- yeah. Dante. Oh my God! I mean, and it's yes. over. And oh, I had to shut it down yesterday. And then I watched them on uh, uh, Prime. Oh my God! Then wait, man. Vince, wait, wait, hold on. How many episodes did you get to? Girl, I, I did the whole thing. I'm up to. Vince, I'm I did done. too. Wait a minute. I had to meditate for like an hour oh. after. Vince, that was 10 hours of black trauma porn. That was 10 hours and I could not stop watching it. And I didn't enjoy watching. I didn't feel good when I was watching it. I felt like a little ball of stress because it was hard to watch. But boy, oh boy, that is us. And when that came out, a lot of people were asking, why are black people 
putting out, you know, art about black trauma. And it's because it has to be expressed because it's in us. It's it's an experience. It's in us. It has to be expressed. We're like 70 years behind in the film industry when it comes to putting the black experience on television. But we're going to eventually have to move past the trauma because you can't live the trauma and then watch the trauma on Netflix and then go look at the trauma on the news too. I mean, it's too much of it right now and there needs to be a balancing out of it. And that's where the black church can come in and start offering some rays of hope. You just mentioned some really good thing with, you know, seeking opportunities to collaborate and work together with community mental health providers. That's a great idea about having like a mental health Wednesday. I mean, you have like, you know, weekly Bible studies, have, you know, workshops to educate people, to educate congregation members about, you know, if you have a friend who is also in that congregation and that person is coming to you and is closing some mental health concerns, what not to say, what to say, and how that person can even educate themselves to be able to know what the resources are to help people move in the right direction to start healing. Look, you, you got to now, everyone, you have your marching orders. Pastors, Uh-oh. deacons, members, <laughs> congregants, uh, altar boys, I was an altar boy, lector, all that, all that. We now, <laughs> we, we all know now. I need to see that picture. I got it. We all know now what we need to do. We need to start pulling ourselves together to mm-hmm. create these communities, to create these avenues for our congregants to, our, to be able to discuss and get our mental health outcomes much 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 better makiba boy I, again another one because uh our time is up what Aww. a good conversation we'll talk about this some more we thank you all so much keep listening online blackmentalmatters.com facebook twitter all that kind of good stuff makiba you have yourself a wonderful day and uh we thank you all so much black men thank you Matters. Ben. you're welcome